0: fan for Racing's NASCAR weekend preview and this week we're previewing Las Vegas and Memphis joining me tonight is our co-host Jay Houston welcome to the show Jay
1: thank you Sharon excited to be here got another big weekend of a racing coming up here this weekend hopefully weather holds out in all places
0: Absolutely, it's good to have you back I know uh, we didn't have you with us For the Hot Topic discussion on Monday night And it was a big one Well,
1: for quite a while We've been saying that we got more questions than answers And I took the night off And a lot of the answers came out So uh <laughs> might have to skip next Monday again If we want to get more answers
0: <laughs> There you go, now we know oh, Okay, uh, I'm going to do the uh, overview for tonight, and uh, in our first half hour, we are going to preview the and Menards Series. They're having their Sioux Chief Showdown finale at Memphis International Raceway this weekend, and then the Arca West is racing at the Las Vegas full Ring this week as well. We'll also try to include uh, a few updates from the and Menards Series East. In the next half hour, we'll get into our NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series race at Las Vegas, and then we'll continue with the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series preview also at Las Vegas. 10 o'clock, it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and I know we've got a full agenda for that as well tonight, Jay.
2: uh
1: stuff from Monday, but we still have plenty to fill in for uh tonight. And I think here for a couple of weeks. Again we said as as these dominoes begin to fall, I think we're gonna see more and more coming out.
0: Yes indeed. Okay. Um Let's go ahead and get started with the Power PowerPEX 200 that's going to be taking place this Saturday, September the 26th, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The race will be televised on MAV-TV, and if you're a Track Pass Gold member on NBC Gold, you'll also be able to watch the live streaming at 6 p.m. Eastern Time uh, through that service. The track is a 0.7 mile, 75. Uh, let me say it this way. It's a three-quarter mile paved oval, and uh, the event schedule looks like there will be a practice and also a general tire pull qualifying uh, for that day. So practice starts at 1.15 to 2 o'clock local time, and then the qualifying will start at 3 p.m. local time, which is uh, central time. So uh, you'll definitely want to check that out. So, this is going to be exciting because uh, we're going to find out who the Sioux Chief Showdown champion is going to be, Jay.
1: That's right. Sam Mayer is looking to close that out here at Memphis. Uh, Now, the Arkham and Ard Series will be making its first visit since 2001 to Memphis, which again is a three quarter mile Tennessee Oval. But a number of drivers in Saturday's race already have experience at the track including Mayer and Ty Gibbs. <clears throat> and it's the Sioux Chief Showdown points leader. Mayor has a six-point lead on Gibbs, ran there as part of the East Race last season, which was won by Chase Cabray. Now, Mayor led 17 laps before a three-wide three move by Cabray on a restart cost him that top spot. He ended up fourth and Gibbs second.
0: Okay, so that showdown going to happen again this weekend with both Mayor and Ty Gibbs entered. Uh, now Mayor enters the weekend having won five of his last seven Arkham and Art Series starts and seven races overall in that span. When you throw in his Arkham and Art Series East win at Dover International Speedway and his first career in NASCAR Ganda RV and Outdoor Truck Series win just last week at Bristol Motor Speedway, Uh, Meanwhile, Gibbs is coming off a win last Saturday at Winchester Speedway. So this is going to be a showdown for the ages, I think, with this Suchi Showdown Championship on the line.
1: It most certainly is. And what we're looking at there is the future of NASCAR. But right now, the Arkham Ard Series, there's another battle still going on there as Michael Self carries a three-point lead now over Brett Holmes into the weekend. With just three races left on the overall Arkham Menard Series schedule, since the uh, Showdown's yes. predecessor, what's that? Go ahead. Okay. Since the uh, Showdown's predes- predecessor, the Sioux Chief Short Track Challenge began in 2015. Only once has the championship been split, and that was in 2014 when Kyle Weatherman won the then Short Track Challenge, and Grant Enfinger won the overall title. So I think we're going to see that this year.
0: It's very possible. Now, the only other driver with Memphis experience is actually Haley Deegan. She finished 13 after leading, 13th after leading three laps in the 2018 East Visit to Memphis, and right now she is third in the Arkham and Art Series and leads $2 by just 19 points and the Bounty Rookie of the Year race. So there's another uh, battle that's going on uh, in this race that will be taking place this weekend. This race is also the third of the CGS Imaging for Crown Series. So that's going to be pretty exciting as well. Uh, and, Jay, if you click on that link, we can tell folks a little bit more about what that CGS Imaging for Crown uh, title is all about.
1: All right. Let me see that. I'll pull up for me. Looks like it is, so I know we got a little weather here around me. The CGS Imaging 4 Crown Preview, again, coming up from Memphis, is an in-season championship that measures driver skill at four unique types of racetracks found on the Arkham Menard Series schedule. It consisted of one race each at a super speedway, a short track, a road course, and the dirt track. So when the Arca Menard Series rolls into Memphis for the Sioux Chief Power, Powerpex 200 on Saturday, October 20, should be September 26, it's the September. Arca Menard Series drivers will gear up for the latest round of that CGS Imaging 4 crown. Contested annually since 1984, the CGS Imaging 4 crown tests the medal of Arca Menard Series drivers at the four diff, distinct types of tracks I mentioned found on the Arca Schedule. Formerly, it was known in the, the Bill France four crown, named in honor of NASCAR founder and longtime ally of ARCA. And drivers are hopeful of winning the award, must showcase their driving talents at four diverse venues throughout the season. The rules are simple. The driver must cumulate, the driver with the most cumulative race points over those four designated races wins that four crown, and bonus points for winning leading laps or starting from the general tire pole are not counted towards the driver's form. Four crown total Did you want me to cover all of it here
0: uh, Yeah no that's fine I just want to make sure the fans knew That this was uh, kind of taking place uh, I'll do this last paragraph And then we can kind of get into Some of these drivers uh, It was first awarded in 1984 With the inaugural trophy Going to the late Davey Allison In his rookie year With the Arkham arts Series Now success in the race that made up the four crown calendar is often a key element of the overall series championship chase. Now a driver has won both, the four crown and the Arkham Menards series championship in the same year 16 times with, with Austin Theriot being the most recent racer to accomplish the sweep and that was in 2017. The defending four crown winner is Brett Holmes and he's going after the championship as well. So you never know What's going to happen there? Uh, Do you want to go ahead and talk about this year then and some of the people that are uh, contending there?
1: All right. Uh, This one right now is a battle between Michael Self and Brett Holmes uh, with Haley Deegan and Drew Dollar not real far off. Michael Self does lead it with 84 points, picking up the win at the Daytona International Speedway and sits at 84. Brett Holmes is at 78. Haley Deegan at 76, Drew Dollar at 72. And another one right there in the thick of it, though, is uh, Thad Moffitt, who's at currently at 68. Uh, The other win here, as I look down the list, went to Riley Herbst uh, earlier in the season. So, again, these two, these top five that I mentioned are the ones that are really competitive that we know are going to be in contention for it. Uh, But one race could shake that up pretty good and we might see some others come into play.
0: Exactly right. Now, I'm going to go over the uh, standings here for the Arkham Menard series, because that's going to be interesting as well between Michael Self and Brett Holmes, just three points separating them. And there is a big battle going on there uh, between those two drivers. Uh, Did you do the Sue Cheap showdown? Oh, no, it wouldn't be the Sue Cheap. This is a a different uh, thing here. Is there a standing for that?
1: Uh, I'm ready to go when you're done here with the main series.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just did the Arkham Art Series standings. Let's do the Sioux Chief Showdown standings because uh, uh, they are going to be pretty tough as well uh, because this is going to be where it all ends.
1: All right, well, right now, Sam Mayer, we've mentioned, is control of it, having won the last two races, points races that counted for it, as well as two others prior in the season, has a total of 362. But Ty Gibbs, we've talked about those two battling each other, right there with him at 356, having picked up two wins of his own. Then we get into the two that are battling for the overall Arkham Menard series. Michael Self is at 344 having one of the victories, and Brett Holmes at 340. Those two are paired together no matter uh, what standings we're talking about here. The other one, uh, oh. looking at the points, might be a little far-stretched, but Chandler Smith is at 335, does have two victories, and Haley Deegan at 328, and those are the ones that have participated in every event uh, up there in the points. It looks like Drew Dollar has also competed in every event.
0: Oh, okay, now... Uh, when we look at the crew chief handout for this week, uh, they do have qualifying, so those positions, 1 through 18, there's 18 people entered, uh, will be determined by qualifying uh, for, for this race. So, uh, qualifying is two consecutive qualifying laps. The faster lap determines their qualifying position, and then adjustments or repairs cannot be made on the vehicle after the vehicle has taken the green flag at the finish line. Now, vehicles will be impounded after qualifying, so a vehicle must qualify on that race setup. Now, there'll be no adding or moving tires to or from the pit box once the race is started. A maximum of four crew members may service the car, and again, no tires or fuel can be added outside of the break. The race will be 200 laps over 150 miles and is to be run in three segments. So the first break will come around lap 75, the second break around lap 150, and of course at the conclusion of the race, all vehicles are going to be lined up in the order they were running at the beginning of the break. That takes a lot of pressure off of these guys on the pit stop. The maximum tire allotment available for this event per the ARCA race rule park is a maximum allowed in the pit box for use, and that is eight. So there you have it for this particular race. Um, I mentioned that there are 18 drivers. Uh, I think we can maybe get through that very quickly. Do you want to start from the bottom up, two by two?
1: All right. At the bottom, numerically, you got the 48 of Brad Smith, cell phone Chevrolet with Leo Krieger as the crew chief. Derek Smith will be crew chiefing the Bola Ford number 46 with Thad Moffitt behind the wheel.
0: Okay, one of uh, Jay's favorites in the number 32, Gus Dean for Wintron Racing Chevrolet will have Jamie Jones on top of his, his pit box. And then Kevin Reed will be on top of the pit box as usual for the number 25, Microsoft driven Venturini Motorsports car.
1: And right there with him, even numerically listed by car number, the 23 of Brett Holmes. For the Stacey Holmes Chevrolet, Shane Huffman is his crew chief. And once again, in the Chad Bryant Chevrolet, Paul Andrews is the crew chief. Chris Wright in the number 22.
0: In the number 21 is the most recent winner. Well, I guess he's not the most recent winner, but uh, a, a winner in the Arkham Menard series. Sam Mayer driving the number 21 for GMS Racing Chevrolet with Marty Lindley. On um, the top of the crew chief Billy Venturini will be crew chiefing For the number 20 driven by Chandler Smith for Venturini Motorsports
1: We talked about him battling with Sam Mayer. Ty Gibbs in the 18 Gibbs owned Toyota with Mike McFarlane on the crew, As the crew chief On the box for David Gill in racing Ford. That'll be Blake Bainbridge coaching Young Taylor Gray in the number 17
0: in the number 15 for Venturini Motorsports is Drew Dollar. He'll have Shannon Roosh on top of the pit box for his number 15 Toyota. Trey Galgan will be the crew chief for the Andy Hillenburg number 12, driven by D.L. Wilson this weekend in that Chevrolet.
1: That's, Shane, that is Mike Basham, regular with the Toyota. Tim Monroe as the crew chief. And then Eric Cottle in his cell phone team number seven Ford, be crew chief by J- Jeremy Petty.
0: Okay, and I think I I missed one here. In the number eleven is Richard Garvey, uh, also an Andy Hillenberg uh, Toyota. He'll be he'll have crew chief Mike Stroff on top of the pit box. And then for did you do Tim Richmond? No. Okay, Tim Richmond will I- be in the number zero six. For Wayne Peterson Toyota with Brad Fry on top of his pit box.
1: All right. Peter Crosley, there's the number four. A Haley Deegan in that Ford, crew chief by Seth Smith. And Con Nicolopoulos Wayne Peterson Chevrolet. Michael Peterson will be the crew chief of that number zero.
0: Okay. Now, also racing this weekend is the Arkham and Art Series West, and they'll be racing the Bullring at Las Vegas. So this is going to be pretty exciting. Uh, that race is going to be taking place. Let me get to it here. The General Tire 150 will take place also on Saturday, September the 26th at noon Pacific time. So that is going to be about 3 o'clock on the East Coast. Now, if you are a Track Pass member on NBC Gold Live, you'll be able to follow along at 3 p.m. Eastern. The delayed broadcast will be on Wednesday, September the 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. This is a .37-mile paved oval, and uh, they do list the uh, General Tire Award qualifying that will take place from 9 to 10 a.m. locally for that General Tire
1: 150 right. handout for you there the starting field, which I believe there there are 12 12 listed on the uh, entry list so the first 20 drivers all of them will secure their positions based on qualifying for the general tire 150 and that'll be by each car's fastest recording lap in the qualifying session. The race pit stop is restricted to the pitting procedure in effect for this event, which will be 150 laps or 56.25 miles, and is to be run in one segment. So there will be no scheduled pit stops uh, for this event. The maximum tire purchase at the track for the event is as follows. Four tires for practice and an additional four tires for qualifying and to begin the race. A team representative must designate qualifying and race tires to the ARCA officials at the designated time. So, again, this is going to be a short race, no scheduled pit stops. However, they do have a couple of spares if they need it, but will lose their uh, position as it won't be a scheduled pit stop.
0: Okay. Now, if you recall... The Arkham and Art Series West got this season started last February at the Bowl Ring in Las Vegas. So this is going to be, be a return trip back as they continue to drive for the championship in the series. Uh, now, this kicks off a stretch of four races that will culminate in crowning their champion at Phoenix Raceway on November the 7th. Uh, let's talk about some of the competitors, Jay.
1: All right, starting at the bottom in the number 99, that'll be Gracie Trotter driving for Bill McAnally Toyota with Roger Bracken as the crew chief, and then the Sarah Burgess-owned and crew chief Toyota number 88 with Bridget Burgess as the driver.
0: Okay, you jumped to a totally different place on me, so let me catch up with you. Okay, in the number 10, uh, I'm sorry, in the number 77 is Takuma Koga, For uh, Joe Nava Toyota, with Chris Bray on top of his pit box, Mike Naki will be on top of the pit box for the number fifty-four for Joey Iced. Mike Naki again is the crew chief. Uh, I'm sorry, the crew chief and the owner of that car.
1: All right, another Bill McAnally Toyota. That's the number fifty of Holly Holland with Henry Nascimento as the crew chief, and Henry Mann will be crew chief in the number 27 Toyota owned and driven by Bobby Hillis.
0: Okay. And the number 19 is series points leader, Jesse Love for Bill McAnally racing Toyota. He'll have Jason Dickinson on top of his pit box. And John Camilleri will be the pit crew uh, coach for Giovanni Selsi in the number 16, also for Bill McAnally Racing Toyota.
1: Having sewn out of a quiet but solid season, number 13 is driven by Todd Souza, owned by Kelly Souza, the Toyota, Michael Munoz as the crew chief. And then is the number nine Ford, Bob Bruncati-owned machine, Jeff Schrader as the crew chief, driven by Blaine Perkins.
0: Okay, we've got uh, in the number seven, Kyle Keller is driving for Jerry Pitts this weekend, who will also be his crew chief for the number seven Ford. And driving the number six for Sunrise Ford and Bob Broomcotti is uh, Trevor Huddleston. He will have Phil Sedgwick on top of his pit box. So it's a small group, but I think it's going to be a pretty exciting race uh, for this group. Uh, a lot of you, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, will recall that Jesse Love has held off a fierce challenge from Lane Perkins the last time out at Colorado National Speedway on Saturday, uh, September 6th. I'm um, sorry, 26th. Uh, that pushed Love's lead to seven points. Uh, and I think they've got that date wrong here again because the 26 hasn't happened yet. But that pushed Love's lead to seven points as the two have had uh, three wins each. The only race one of the two haven't won, that's the bull ring where Sam Mayer took home the honors uh, at the season opener. But Love and Perkins finished second and third in that same event. With Mayer not returning, the door is wide open for Dusty Love and Blaine Perkins to go after that victory.
1: Uh, certainly going to be an interesting race there. And you mentioned the top two battling in points. And you have a little bit of a gap, but that's where Tracy Trotter and Trevor Huddleston and Geo Skelsey fall in, with Todd Susan 6 not far behind. Trotter is at minus 36, Trevor Huddleston at minus 41. Geo Scalzi at minus 43, and then Todd Suze at minus 57. And, again, if you look at their stats, they're having very solid seasons. Just those top two have been absolutely dominant.
0: Okay. I'm going to go back to Love and and, uh, Perkins here because Love made a very impressive debut in his number 19 Napa Power Premium Plus Toyota back in February. He led 12 laps before eventually settling for a runner-up finish. Since then, he's won three times and finished no worse than fourth. Really impressive season for a rookie. He's coming off Uh, A fourth-place run in his first race with Venture Motorsports this last weekend at Winchester Speedway in Indiana for the Arkham and Art Series. Love also ended Perkins' two-race win streak with his victory in Colorado in a race where the two exchanged lots of contact. Back on the tight confines of the bullring before heading uh, to a pair of California short tracks, the racing space is going to be a premium, especially for these two drivers.
1: Love's Bill McAnally Racing teammate, though, Gracie Trotter, that's been inching closer to her first win. She finished fourth at the Bullring in February and is coming off a of fourth at Colorado and in the interim became just the fourth female to win a late model stock car race which came at North Carolina's Hickory Motor Speedway in the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. After winning twice last year, Perkins Sunrise Ford Racing teammate Trevor Heidelstein, he'll look to get back on track. He was fifth at the bull ring and sits fourth in the standings, five points back of trotter and just two ahead of uh, Bill McAnally Racing's Geo Skelsey. And then you got former Sunrise Ford driver Dylan Upton, We'll return to the series as part of a deal with DGR Crosley that also includes three NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series starts. He's had 32 career West starts between 2011 to 2014, which include a pair of wins.
0: Really excited to see Dylan Lupton coming back into the Arkham Menard Series as well as that Truck Series uh, and uh, I'm, I look for big things from uh, Dylan Lupton as he makes his return back into NASCAR and ARCA. So this is going to be a big deal to see him back on the track. Okay, do you have any picks for this weekend in these two races, Jay?
1: Well, on the uh, the east side, the Sioux Chief showdown, uh, Gus Dean I know has entered, but right now I see it between uh, – Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer, and and that's such a toss-up. I guess I'd have to go with the the hot streak, but when you're playing roulette, you always bet the streak, so I'd have to say Sam Mayer. Uh, Here on the west side, this one I think is... Go ahead. On the west side, um, I think Jesse Love is going to get a little bit of a challenge, and it might surprise you, but I'd go all the way down to Trevor Huddleston. I think he starts to get in the mix. Here in the final few events uh, to mix it up with them.
0: Oh wow! Okay, Uh, that's pretty. That's uh, that's a bold move there, but I think a good bold move. Okay, I'm going to take since you took uh, Sam Mayer, I'll go with uh, uh, the other guy, and all of a sudden it's uh, Ty Gibbs. I'll go with Ty Gibbs in that number 18. Uh, car for the uh, Arkham Menard series And uh, for the West Gosh I'm surprised you didn't take Blaine Perkins Or uh, Jesse Love I'm going to go with Jesse Love on this one As much as I like Blaine Perkins And I really do like him uh I think they're going to be battling for it All night long Maybe with Trevor Huddleston in that mix as well But I'll take Jesse Love for this one Just the kind of balance Once in it a while out. when
1: those Once in a while, when those top two are battling real hard, things happen, and third place gets to sneak by. So we'll see where Trevor Huddleston's running come the end of it.
0: (laughs) You you make a good point, Jay. Okay, let's uh, move on now. I know we're a couple minutes ahead, but I'm going to go ahead and move on. Uh, to the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. They're r- racing the world of Westgate 200 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this Friday, September the 25th. That time of the race is uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time with Fox Sports One carrying the pre race coverage starting at 8 p.m. Eastern and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of two hundred and one miles over one hundred and thirty-four laps. Stage one ends on lap thirty. Thirty laps later, stage two will end on lap sixty, and the last lap is the end of stage three. So let's uh go ahead and get into our preview here for the truck series. Well, and that begins with Dylan Wilson or- being back.
1: Yeah, we just mentioned that a minute or two back, Lupton will be back in Vegas as DGR Crosley announced that Dylan Lupton will return to the team for a minimum of three more NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series races, starting with this Friday night's World of Westgate 200 at Las Vegas in the number 17 Ford, in addition to Texas Motor Speedway and the season finale at Phoenix Raceway. And he will also compete in for DGR in the Arkham Menards Series finale at Kansas Speedway on Friday, October 16th. So good news there for Dylan Upton.
0: Absolutely. Uh, look Again, looking forward to seeing Dylan Upton on that track, on all of those tracks. Now, Connor Daly, Travis Pastrana, they're going to team up to run the Gander Truck Series race at Las Vegas. From virtual to real life, Nitro Circus founder, Travis Pastrana is teaming up with NTT IndyCar Series star Connor Daly to compete in Friday night's World of West 200. The two competed together during the spring in the LCQ League, a private iRacing league featuring motorsports and action sports legends racing in cars of all types. Now, the two will have support from iRacing's Elliott's Custom Trailers, Pit Viper, Batheads and Wienerschnitzel as they pilot the numbers 42 and 45 for Nice Motorsports. Daly and Pastrana are also getting fans involved during the week, leading up to the race with the opportunity to race the duo through a series of invitation-only events. They will release more information on their iRacing social media channels, so you'll definitely want to watch for that news coming out.
1: All right, looking up here, we're going to take a look at the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series following Bristol. Brett Moffitt is your leader at 2,068, 36 points ahead of the cutoff line. Sheldon Creed up 28. Zane Smith, 25. Grant Infinger, 24. Tyler Ankrum at 19 above. Matt Craft, 13 above. Ben Rhodes at plus 6. Austin Hill at plus 2. Those are your top 8. The two out of the 10 right now, below the line, Christian Eckes is minus two, and Todd Gillen minus eight. Take a look at how these drivers have fared at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And do we want to do these two by two?
0: Yeah, let's do them two by two.
1: All right. We'll start with Todd line. Gillen, again, the two, the two below the line, Todd Gillen heads to Las Vegas for the fifth time in his career, He has one top five and three top tens to his name. Most recently, he finished there seventh. He has an average start of 12.8 with an average finish of 11.5. Now, Christian Eckes will make his third start there on Friday night. Of his two starts, he had one top five and one top ten. Earlier this season, though, he finished 23rd, but in his debut last season, he finished third.
0: Okay, Austin Hill has five starts at Las Vegas. He won the race last season from the seventh starting position, but he has uh, two top fives and three top tens. His average start is a 9.6. His average finish, however, is a 13.4. Ben Rhodes is making his eighth start at the track this weekend. He does have one win there in 2017, three top fives, and five top tens. He has an average start of 13.9. His average finish is at 8.9. He has finished in the top ten in all seven starts except for two.
1: (laughs) All right. And obviously veteran Matt Crafton has the most starts at Las Vegas with 22 but has never gotten a win at the track. He has nine top fives and 13 top tens. His average start is 11.3. Right there, an average finish of 12.0. And earlier this season, he was fourth. Tyler Ancrum, one of the low ends, he's making only his third start at the track this weekend. In both of his starts, he finished 11th. So that's pretty consistent. Uh, Not a bad finish, I guess. (laughs)
0: Okay, next up is Grant Infinger with eight starts under his belt at that 1.5-mile track. He has one win in 2018, two top fives, and four top tens. He's led 47 laps and has an average start of 7.9 with an average finish of 13.6. In his last two starts, Infinger did not complete all the laps run as he had an engine crash in 2019, and earlier this season, he was involved in a crash. Now, Zane Smith, the rookie, he's going to make his second career start on Friday night. His first start was earlier this season. He started 15th and finished
2: 6th.
1: All right. Well, the top two in points have to be considered at least semi the favorites. We'll see if the stats back him up. Sheldon Creed has only three starts there at Las Vegas to lean back on, but he has finished in the top 10 in all of those starts. He has a best finish of fourth coming back in 2019 with an average start of 5.7 and an average finish of 6.7. So that's looking good. Brett Moffitt, he'll be making his sixth start at the 1.5-mile track on Friday night. In his first start since 2018, he finished with a a track best third. He has a total of two top fives and three top tens. Again, a really low average start of 6.2, and average finish of
0: 7.8. Okay. We'll look at a couple of times kind of scenarios here. But right now, uh, nobody has clinched a spot in the next round for the Gander playoff. And that's because this will be the first race of the first round for
2: of the playoffs
0: for this series. Now, there are some drivers that can clench via points. If there's a win among the playoff drivers, the following drivers could clench by being 56 points above the seventh winless driver in the standings. So Brett Moffitt, Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Grant Infinger, Tyler Ingram, and Matt Crafton can only clench with help. So if there is a winner outside of the playoff drivers, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the eighth winless driver in the standings. They would also clinch if there's a new winner among Brett Moffitt, Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Grant Infinger, Tyler Ankrum, or Matt Crafton and being 56 points above the seventh winless driver in the standings. Now, Brett Moffat, Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Grant Infinger, Tyler Ankrum, Matt Crafton, and Ben Rhodes can only clinch with help. Uh, now, some, all of these drivers can clinch with a win. Uh, the following drivers could clinch alone on a win, and that's all 10 of your playoff drivers. Brett Moffitt, Creed, Smith, Infinger, Ancrum, Crafton, Rhodes, Hill, Eppies, and Todd Gilliland. And I'm telling you, those two guys that are below the cut line right now, they would love nothing more to come home with a win from
1: Las Vegas. Most the goal as they are going to be rolling the dice as they head to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now, I think you mistakenly said this was the first race. It is the second race of three of their first round of the the playoffs. The first coming last weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway and now heading into the World Westgate 200 at Las Vegas. The spoiler in that, you mentioned uh, nobody was locked in on a win because Sam Mayer, 17, took his GMS Racing Chevrolet that he runs on a part-time basis for the team to victory lane, beating his GMS Racing teammate, Brett Moffitt, and playoff contender. And he beat him by 4.413 seconds. It
2: was a few Amazing. hours later
1: that Mayer capped off he had the sweep of the Thursday night racing at Thunder Valley as he also won the arkham and ard series event we covered uh, covered on monday we talked about now moffitt did lead 117 of the 200 laps but with new tires mabel mayor was able to pull away for his first victory in this season in perfect timing jr or junior motorsports and mayor announced earlier this week that he would run for the team at the end of the 2021 season before taking the reins full time in 2022 for the Xfinity Series ride. Now, coming back to the trucks, Moffitt ended up finishing second as the highest finishing playoff contender. Tanner Gray finished third, Parker Klingerman was fourth, and Chandler Smith fifth. The other playoff drivers, Grant Enfinger and Tyler Ankrum, were sixth and seventh, respectively. Ross Chastain came in eighth, while veteran Johnny Sauter finished ninth, and his Thor Sport Racing teammate, playoff contender Matt Crafton, Rounded out the top 10. Austin Hill was involved in an incident on lap 156 and wound up finishing 25th, the lowest finishing playoff contender. And now drivers that will be take on Sin City for the second race of the 2020 Gander Truck Series playoffs, Moffitt will lead the field to green, with Tyler Ankrum joining him on the front row. And recap there, uh, the race will be 134 laps, which will equal 201 miles, stage one ending on lap 30, stage two on lap 60. And the finger and Hill are the only two active drivers with previous wins at the track, with Hill having won this race last year.
0: Okay. Now, you mentioned that Sam Mayer won. Uh, Menard Series but he also won in the Outdoor Truck Series last week in the number 21 for JMS Racing. Now I do have uh, some audio here from Sam Mayer. I won't be able to play all of it uh, but let's play a little bit here so that fans can hear what he has to say. I'm going to put that on now.
1: Get you spotlighted here, and we will call you up, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining
3: us again. It's been a busy day for you, there, young man.
4: Yeah, it has. It's uh, been crazy.
3: <laughs> so, I, as we talked about earlier today, for those of uh, members of the media, we had Sam on with our television partners earlier today, and he said one of the biggest differences in life now that he is. On this little hot street that he's on. how does he get to talk to a
4: lot of members of the media? Uh, they've been wearing you out today, huh? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a tiring day so far, <laughs> but I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to be a part of it, and uh, hopefully, I can answer all y'all's questions. Good.
3: I think the you only know, thing worse than having to talk to a bunch of members of the media on one of your days off is not having to talk to anybody at all because you're not <laughs> winning races, right? Yeah. All right, so uh, we do have uh, a couple of people who are already uh, anxious to talk to you, so we will uh, open it up to uh, our friends at the media, we will start with uh, Davey Rush with FreshRush.com. Davey, go ahead, whenever you're ready. What's up, Sam?
5: I'm just wondering what the last few days or so have been like for you. Have you gotten any calls, texts, messages of congratulations from people that you may not have heard from before and just in general, like going through the whirlwind of emotions and winning – possibly your two biggest races in the same night and then coming down to just be chilling out a week, just catching up with us, what's that all been like?
4: Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy week since then. I mean, I've done probably 11 or so interviews in the last five days. So it's been a, it's been a crazy time, but obviously it's crazy for the right reasons. But uh, probably the most weird congratulations I've ever I've gotten from the person I never thought I was was James Hinchcliffe. Uh, he's the one that I didn't expect to get a congratulations from, but he was, like, the first one the first one to send me one. It was pretty cool. Do you have a prior relationship with
5: him, or is that random?
4: Yeah, my dad, he uh, raced with him in sports cars and stuff like that, and he knows him through, like, IndyCar and stuff like that, too. So uh, we've known each other, uh, but I didn't expect a congratulations from him after a race like that. Got it. And then just one more for me. Um, I asked you after the race about your crew chief,
5: Marty Lindley, I know you got a little bit emotional because your guys' relationship is interesting and he's given you a lot of tough love and he finally came over the radio and said basically, Hey man, you're pretty good at this. Congratulations. Have you guys talked since then? And I'm curious, is he a hugger at all? Has he given you a hug?
4: Um, I've gotten, I think one or two hugs from him in like the last two years of being with him. Uh, and one was like right before the archery. So it was pretty cool to get a hug from him because usually you don't do that. But, um, yeah he uh he's like kind of like a mentor to me just because of how much he knows about these cars and how much he knows about the sport in general and he's just really good at what he does and uh he just acts like he doesn't do anything he um he's just like another guy uh he thinks so but uh he's a really big part of my career and uh, i can't thank him enough for all he's done these last like two years
0: okay that was uh pretty cool you know Sam Mayer's dad is Scott Mayer, who also runs in the NTT IndyCar series, or did run. And uh, it's pretty cool that James Henscliffe was one of the first guys, that was the first guy, uh, to offer his congratulations to Sam.
1: Well, and that's the kind of attention he's drawing. I mean, we've we've been talking about him for two, two and a half years now. Uh, But again, noticing recently signing with Junior Motorsports, I mean, that's going to get you some attention. And backing that up with the wins, not that he wasn't already winning, but to come out and win uh, a truck race and then an ARCA race, both in the same night, both at Bristol, I, I mean, that's just got to take an out and, and to see his excitement. I know my mom commented on that, especially coming out of the truck race, uh, as that's obviously a new one for him.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Again, we're a little bit ahead of schedule here, but uh, I think I'm going to roll with it, Jay. Uh, so that we might have a little bit of time later to go over our fantasy uh, picks. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and get into the uh, Xfinity Series. They are racing the Alistair 300 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this Saturday, September the 26th, starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Pre-race coverage will be on NBC Sports Network starting at 7 p.m. ET with radio coverage on PRM and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They're racing a distance of 300 miles, over 200 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 45. Stage 2, 45 laps later on lap 90. And the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 200. So let's look at the past performances at Las Vegas for the Xfinity Series.
1: All right. up a little bit the chart above us here that I'm going to run over. Uh, run down real quick, not run over, but... Uh, again, Bristol was the final <laughs> cutoff race for them, and they are setting up for their first race of the first round. So, with the reseeding, it is now Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick who are set are tied at 2050, 48 points above the cutoff line. Third place is Justin Algar, who's up 31. Noah Gregson up 23. Brandon Jones up 16. Justin Haley up 16. Harrison Burton up 12. Ross Chastain at plus eight. Now, this is eight. That's the top eight out of 12. Here in the Xfinity Series, after three races, four will get eliminated. Right now, that would be Ryan Seagan ninth. He's minus eight, as well as Michael Annette at minus eight, Riley Herbst at minus nine, and Brandon Brown at minus ten. When we look at their past performances, It most certainly can, and uh, 10 points isn't a big gap, but between those four, even trying to be the first one in, uh, you're talking one point, two points, uh, between those four, Mm -hmm. just to be the first one that might be able to capitalize. That's going to be tight.
3: It is. All
1: right. uh, Performance at Vegas. Chase Briscoe won the race earlier this season at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It was the second race of the season, and Briscoe started from second. Austin Sindrick was right behind him in making it a Ford one-two sweep. Ryan Sieg got a career-best finish at third at the track after starting 32nd. Noah Gregson was fourth, Harrison Burton fifth, Brandon Jones sixth, and Michael Annette was seventh. Now, Justin Algar was eighth, and Riley Herbst ninth. In he came home tenth, Brandon Brown finished eleventh, and Justin Haley finished twelfth. And if you didn't make the connection there, every single playoff driver finished in the top twelve, in in the order of first through twelve, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway earlier this season. That is extremely uh, rare. It is pretty,
0: pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, that as I was reading that, it was just blowing my mind. Of all Mm -hmm. the active drivers vying for the championship. Algar has the most starts at the 1.5 mile track with 12, the junior motorsports teammate, and that is right behind him with 10. Dane's first Xfinity Series win was in 2018 and came at Las Vegas. And then looking at both Noah Gregson and Riley Herps, they're from Las Vegas, Nevada. So they'll be heading to their home track as they kick off their playoff runs. Might put a little momentum in their back pocket.
0: Okay. Uh, I think we'll come back to this next section, time permitting. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip over that for right now, Jay. And like I say, we will come back to it if uh, we have enough time. Um, What I want to look at, though, is the stage is set for the NASCAR Xfinity Series 2020 playoffs. Uh, The regular season ended last weekend, as we mentioned, at Bristol Motor Speedway with a thrilling bump and run by Jason Briscoe on Austin Cindric With just six laps left Now that mark, that victory marked Briscoe's seventh win Of the season And his first Bristol And ninth win of his career Heading into the race Weekend at Bristol There was only one spot up for grabs On the playoff grid And Brandon Brown who had been holding on To the twelfth and final spot For a few weeks now Was able to clinch that playoff first In 12th place uh, With a 12th place finish At Thunder Valley Ross Chastain finished third Harrison Burton fourth Justin Allgauer who swept the stages Rounded out the top five With that the playoffs begin This Saturday at Las Vegas Motor Speedway With the Oscar 300 Briscoe will lead the field to green On Saturday with his fellow Ford Competitor right next to him On the front row Uh, Again this is a 200 lap 300-mile race, and Briscoe is the most recent winner at the track in last February, and Tyler Reddick won this race last season for the series. Briscoe is looking to go back-to-back for the second time this season. Earlier on, he won back-to-back races at Pocono Raceway and Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. If he wins, it'll also be a Las Vegas Motor Speedway sweep for the driver of the number 98. Harrison Burton has the best driver rating, though, at Las Vegas at 108.8. And there have been 19 different race winners in 26 races run, with 17 different pole winners. Kyle Busch still holds the qualifying and race record at the track for the series. Kevin Harvick has the most top fives with 11. And Al Gower has the most top tens with 12. And the most finishes on the lead lap. With 12 So uh, some stats There from This uh, series Now the current seeding Is Chase Briscoe Austin Sindrick, Justin Algauer Noah Gregson and Brendan Jones Rounding out the top 5 With Justin Haley, Harrison Burton Ross Chastain And Ryan Sieg Along with Michael Lynette Rounding out the top 10 Riley Urbs and Brandon Brown hold that eleventh and twelfth place spot. So do you think we can get through all of this? <laughs> we'll yeah, go
1: we got eighteen go minutes to cover, cover the twelve. All right.
0: Yeah, let's well, go. Well we'll start do with that.
1: that number twelve spot, Brandon Brown in the number sixty eight, Brandon Built Motorsport Chevrolet Camaro, uh from Woodbridge, Virginia, born September fourth, nineteen ninety three. Doug Randolph as his crew chief. Now, he doesn't come in with any wins or playoffs so he starts with the 2,000 points through the first 26 races of the season Brown has posted four top tens he has yet to win a stage or accumulate any of those playoff points let a total of 5 of 4,031 laps completed or a point 0.1% his average starting position on the year is 15.1 and an average finish is point. Five, the 2020 season marks the first time Brandon Brown has qualified for the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. In 2019, he ultimately finished the season 15th in the final standings. In 2018, he was 42nd, in 2017, he was 36. And it was in 2016 where he made his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut at Richmond Raceway, again driving for the Brandon Motor, Brandon Built Motorsports. He's made three starts in that year, so he's having a phenomenal year.
0: He really is. But another driver having a pretty amazing year is Ricky Riley Erbst in the number eighteen Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota Supra. Uh, he hails, as we mentioned earlier, from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, born February twenty fourth of ninety nine. His crew chief is Dave Rodgers. Uh He does have one playoff point. So he enters the Xfinity Series playoffs with two thousand and one point. One of just two Sunoco rookies to make the postseason in twenty twenty with Harrison Burton being that other drive other rookie. Through the first twenty six races this season, he has posted four top fives and sixteen top tens. He has jet stage in twenty twenty, but he has accumulated one playoff point and has led eight of 3,984 laps completed. So that's under 1% of the total laps. The 2020 average starting position is 10.6. His average finishing position is 15. Now his previous Xfinity Series playoff stats, it's really the first time that Riley Herbst has qualified for the playoffs. So he becomes the 16th. Difference in Oklahoma Rookie of the Year candidate to qualify for their NASCAR Xfinity Series elimination style playoffs since its inception in 2016. He joined Derek Jones, Brandon Jones, and Brennan Poole from 2016, William Byron, Cole Custer, Matt Kiff, and Michael Hemrick from 2017, Christopher Bell, Austin Sindrick, and Tyler Reddick from 2018 along with Chase Bristol, John Hunter Nemechek, Noah Grayson, and Justin Haley from 2019. And as I mentioned earlier, he had, Wiley Earpst and Harrison Burton are the two rookies in the playoffs for this year. Earpst and his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Harrison Burton, are the only two rookies to make the Xfinity Series postseason.
1: All right, one of three junior motorsports Chevrolet Camaros to make it is the number one of Michael Annette. Coming out of Des Moines, Iowa, he was born June 23, 1986, and he'll have crew chief Travis Mack in his ear. Starting where he's at, he's picked up two playoff points, but with no wins yet, so he'll start out ranked ninth, tied with Sieg, but Sieg holds the tiebreaker with the best finish through the first 26 races. Annette has posted three top fives and 16 top tens. Has yet to win the stage, but it did pick up the two playoff points. He's led a total of 29 laps out of the 3,870 completed, which is 0.7%. has an average starting position on the year of 8.4, with a finishing position of 11.9. The 2020 season marks the third time Michael Annette has qualified for the Xfinity Series playoffs. In 19, when he qualified, he posted one top five and four top tens during the postseason and finished the year ninth in the final standings after being eliminated in the round of eight. In 2018, he failed to qualify, ultimately finishing 14th in the final standings. In 2017, he did qualify, then posted one top ten during the postseason and finished the year ninth in the final standings. That year, he was eliminated in the round of 12. And he did not participate in the Xfinity Series back in 2016.
0: Okay, now hailing from Tucker, Georgia, is uh, the next driver. Uh, I'm sorry, I went the wrong direction here. Ryan Sieg driving for his own race team. Uh, and uh, that is, he drives the number 39 RSS Racing Chevrolet Camaro. Born June 20th, of 1987. He has Kevin Starland on top of his pit box. He does have two playoff points, which means he's starting the playoffs with 2,002 points. He's currently tied with Michael Lynette in the the series points, uh, and Sieg holds the tiebreaker. His best finish through the first 26 races of the season, uh, Sieg has posted four top fives and eight top tens. He's won two stages and has accumulated those two playoff points. He led 81 of 3,954 laps for 2% of the total, and his average starting position is 2. Point, I'm sorry, 10.3. Average finishing position is 15.7. His uh, previous Xfinity playoff stats. Uh, this marks the third time that Ryan Sieg has qualified for the playoffs. He's done it uh, in, in addition to this year in 2016 and 19. In 19, he qualified for the playoffs and posted three top tens during the postseason, finished the year 11th in the final series point standings after being eliminated in the round of 12. In 2018, he failed to make the playoffs and ultimately finished the season 16th in the point standings. In 17, he also failed to make the playoffs and ultimately finished 15th in the point standings. In 2016, he did qualify for the playoffs, then posted one top-10 finish during the postseason. He finished the year a career-best ninth in the final point standings after being eliminated in the round of 12.
1: Up next, we got one of the two college racing Chevrolet Camaros. This one's the number 10. Driven by Ross Jastain, coming out of Alva, Florida. Born December 4, 1992, and has Bruce Schlecker as his crew chief. He has a total of 10 playoff points, starting him in the 8th position. Through the 26 races of the regular season, he posted 5 runner-up finishes, 13 top fives, and 22 top tens. Won two stages and accumulated a total of 10 playoff points. He led a total of 460 out of 4,280 laps completed, which is a 10.7%. His average starting position, 8.1, and finishing position, a 7.9. The 2020 season is the second time that Ross Chastain has qualified for the Xfinity Series playoffs, the other being in 2018. In 19, he competed part-time in the schedule, making 19 starts driving for college racing and JD motorsports in 2018. When he qualified for the playoffs, he then posted one top five during that stretch, finishing the career. Yes. Career best 10th in the final standings after being eliminated in the round of 12. In 2017, uh, he finished the season 13th in the final standings and 2016, another year. He did not make the playoffs. He finished the season in 16th.
0: Okay. Next up is uh, the other rookie in the Xfinity Series, Harrison Burton, who drives the number 20 for Joe Gibbs Racing's Toyota Supra. He was born October 9th of 2000 and hails from Huntersville, North Carolina. On top of his uh, pit box is Ben Bashore, he does have two wins. He won at California and Homestead, and he has accumulated 14 playoff points. Now, he enters the Xfinity Series playoffs with 2,014 points. He's just one of the two rookies to make the postseason, along with Riley Herbst. Through the first 26 races of the season, Burton has those two wins, 13 top fives and 18 top tens. Uh, he has yet to win a stage, but he has accumulated 14 playoff points. He's led 186 of 4,255 laps for 4.3% of the total. He has the average starting position this year is 7.2, while his average finishing position is an impressive 9.5. Now, the 2020 season marks the first time for Harrison Burton to qualify for the Xfinity, Xfinity Series playoffs. He's become the 15th different Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate to qualify uh, the playoffs since its inception in 2016. He joins uh, all of those drivers we mentioned before, uh, including uh, uh, Wiley Earth. So that's Br- Eric Jones, Brandon Jones, and Brendan Poole from 2016, William Byron, Cole Custer, Matt Tipp, along with Daniel Hemrick in 17th, uh, Christopher Bell, Austin Sindrick, Tyler Reddick in 18, Chase Briscoe, John Hunter Nemechek, and Noah Gregson, along with Justin Haley in 19. Burton and his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Lolly Erps are the only two rookies in the 2020 playoff for the Xfinity Series.
1: All right, now I'll cover the other colleague racing Chevrolet Camaro. That's the number 11 of Justin Haley coming out of Winnemack, Indiana. He was born April 28, 1999. His crew chief is Alex Yance. On the year, he picked up two wins coming at Talladega and Daytona for a total of 18 playoff points, so he'll start out six. Throughout the 26 regular season races, again, he had two wins, eight top fives and 16 top tens. The three stage wins also helped him accumulate those 18 playoff points. He's led 101 of the 4,295 laps he completed for a 2.3%. His average starting position on the year, 7.7, finishing 10.1. The 2020 season is the second time Haley has made the series playoffs. In 2019, after qualifying as a rookie, he then posted one top five and three top tens during the 10 races, and he finished the career the year with a career-best of 12th in the final standings after being eliminated in the round of 12. He made his Xfinity Series debut back in eighteen at Iowa Speedway, at that time driving for GMS Racing, and he made three starts there with the team in 2018.
0: Okay, next up is another Joe Gibbs Racing driver, Brandon Jones, in the number 19 Toyota Supra. Born February 18th of ninety seven. He hails from Atlanta, Georgia. His crew chief is Jeff Meandering. In 2020, he has three wins at Phoenix, Kansas, and Darlington, and has accumulated 20 playoff points, meaning that he starts the playoffs with 2,020 points. Through the first 26 races of the season, Jones has uh, those three wins, along with eight top fives and 14 top tens. He has two stage wins and has accumulated those 20 playoff points. He's led 143 of 4,064 laps, representing 3.5% of the total. His average starting spot is 7.3. His average finishing position, 13.5. The 2020 season marks the fourth time that Jones has qualified for the playoffs, including 2016, 18, 19, and 20. Last year, he qualified for the playoffs and posted a win at Kansas along with three top tens, but he was eliminated in the round of 12, ultimately finishing the season 10th in the point standings. In 2018, he qualified for the playoffs, posting five top tens during the postseason, but again was eliminated in the round of 12, finishing the season with a career-best ninth in the point standings. In 2017, he qualified to make the playoffs, ultimately finishing the season 16th in the point standings. And in 2016, he qualified for the playoffs with one top 10 finish during the postseason. He finished the season 10th in the point standings after being eliminated in the round of 12.
1: All right, well, one of the ones returning home to Las Vegas is the number nine junior motorsport Chevrolet of Noel Gregson. He was born July 15, 1998, as David Elance, in his ear, has picked up two wins coming at Daytona and Bristol for a total of 25 playoff points to start him in Ford. Through those 26 races, with the two wins, he also had 11 top fives and 19 top tens, and eight stage wins that got him those 25 playoff points. Led a total of 524 of 4,211 laps for 12.4%, and then locked in a 6.6 starting position with an average finishing position of 9.2. This is also Gregson's second time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. In uh, 2019, he qualified and posted two top fives and five top tens during the postseason but finished the year eighth in the final standings after being eliminated in that round of eight and he made his Xfinity Series debut in 2018 at that time driving for Joe Gibbs Racing at Richmond Raceway and made three starts for the JGR team in 2018 before moving to uh, junior Motors
0: Okay, now driving for the number seven Junior Motorsports Chevrolet Camaro Is Justin Algar, born June 6, 1986 He hails from Riverton, Illinois I like those hometown Illinois boys uh, Again, his crew chief is Jason Burdett He has three wins at Dover and the first and second Richmond races He's accumulated a total of 33 playoff points, meaning he starts the playoff with 2,033 points. Through the first 26 races of the season, he put up three wins, eight top fives and 15 top tens. He has 12 stage wins this season, accumulating those 33 playoff points. He's led 896 of 4,230 laps completed, or 21% of the total. His average starting position this year is 10.4. His average finishing position is 13.2. In the 2020 season marks the fifth time that Justin Algauer has made the Xfinity Series playoffs, and they've all been with Junior Motorsports. Last year, he qualified for the playoffs, then posted one win at Phoenix, five top fives during the postseason, and making the championship four-round and finishing fourth in the final standings. In 2018, Al Gower made the playoffs and posted two top five, three top tens, and finished seventh in the final point standings. He was eliminated in the round of eight. In 2018, Al Gower qualified for the playoffs then posted three top fives and four top tens, marking making the championship four round and finishing third in the final point standings. In 16, he qualified for the playoffs and posted two top fives and six top tens during the postseason, again making the championship four-round and finishing a career-best third in the final point standings.
1: All right. Top two are both Fords. I'll start with the number 22, Team Penske Ford, Austin (laughs) Sindrick. Born in 1998, September 2nd, comes to us out of Mooresville, North Carolina, has veteran crew chief Brian Wilson on the crew box. He's got five wins on the year, coming at Kentucky twice, Texas, Road America, and the Daytona Road Course. He enters the season ranked in second with the 2050 points or 2050 points, tied with Briscoe, but Briscoe holds the tiebreaker of most wins. He was the Xfinity Series regular series champion for 2020 through the first 26 races regular season races. He picked up not only those five wins, but 17 top fives and 21 top tens, as well as 10 stages to start with those 50 playoff points. He led a total of 812 of the 4,010 laps completed at 20.2%. As an average starting position of 7.1, right there at an average finishing position of 7.5. This will mark his third time in the Xfinity Series playoffs in 2019, he posted four top fives and six top tens during the postseason. Finished the year a career-best six in the final standings after being eliminated in the round of eight. 18, it was his rookie season, and he posted four top fives and five top tens, and then at that time, it was a seven-race playoffs, but he finished the season eighth in the final standings after being around, eliminated in that round of eight. He made his Xfinity Series debut back in 2017 at Road America, driving for Team Penske.
0: Okay, we used up every bit of those 18 minutes and now more. <laughs> We're going to go overtime. Uh, Chase Briscoe in the second of only two Fords in the Xfinity Series, the number 98 for Stuart Haas Racing. He was born December 15th of 94, and he hails from Mitchell, Indiana. His crew chief, of course, is Richard Boswell The second Briscoe has seven wins. At Las Vegas, Darlington, Homestead, Pocono, Indianapolis Road Course, Dover, and Bristol, he has accumulated a total of 50 playoff points, which allows him to start the playoffs at 2,050 points. He's tied with Austin Cindric, but Bristol holds the tiebreaker with most wins. Through the first 26 races this season, he posted seven wins, 14 top fives, and 18 top tens. He's won five stages and accumulated those 50 playoff points. He's led 538 of 4,339 laps, representing 12.3% of the total. Uh, His average starting position is 7.1. Average finishing position is 7.6. The 2020 marks the second time Briscoe has qualified for the Xfinity Series playoffs. Last year, he made the playoffs with four top fives and six top tens during the seven-race postseason. He finished the year a career-best fifth place in the final standings after being eliminated in the round of eight. In 18, he failed to make the playoffs because he had only competed part-time, which was 17 races for Wash Fenway Racing and Stuart Haas Racing. He finished the year 24th in the point standings making his Xfinity Series debut in 2018 at Atlanta, again, driving for Roush Fenway Racing. So that's it for the Xfinity Series. I'll get right into the NASCAR Cup Series. They're also racing at Las Vegas this weekend in the South Point 400. They'll be racing Sunday, September the 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern time with TV coverage on NBC Sports Network starting at seven, I'm sorry, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage will be on PRN and SiriusXM XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 400.5 miles, over 267 laps. The first and second stage are 80 laps each, uh, with the second stage ending on lap 160. The last stage ends on the last lap, lap 267.
1: All right, so, and I'll cover a couple of quick... Quick notes, which I'm sure you guys discussed plenty on Monday night under Hot Topics, but (laughs) Ross Jastain will drive Ganassi's number 42 in 2021. So that was one of the questions that got answered. As well as Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, they're going to form a new team for 2021. Uh, Denny Hamlin and former NBA champion Charlotte Hornets owner Michael Jordan, again, forming a team for 2021 season with Bubba Wallace, as the driver the additional note here is jordan becomes the first black principal owner of a full-time cup team since nascar hall of famer wendell scott drove his own race car 19 or car in 495 races from 1961 to 1970 Scott's 1964 victory at the jacksonville 200 is the only win by a black driver in the nascar cup series history
0: Okay, let's look at some Cup Series playoff records from 2004 to 19. Uh, I'm going to mention here the all-time record performances by drivers during the 10-race playoffs in the NASCAR Cup Series. Driver with the most wins is Tony Stewart, who in 2011 won five of 10 playoff races. The most runner-ups are four, three times Jimmy Johnson did that in 2006. Jeff Gordon in 2014, and Chase Elliott did it in 2017. The most top fives, nine. Martin Truex holds that record from 2017. The most top tens, nine. Eleven times, Kurt Busch did it in 2004. Jeff Gordon in seven. Jimmy Johnson in 2009, 10, and 13. Kevin Harvick did it in 2010 and again in 2019, Carl Edwards in twenty eleven, Kyle Busch in twenty sixteen, and Martin Truex did it twice in seventeen and nineteen. The most laps led nine hundred and eighty-six out of all possible uh, out of all possible three thousand one hundred and fifty-six for thirty-one point two percent. Jimmy Johnson did that in two thousand and nine. The best average start of all ten races is at four point two which Denny Hamlin did in 2017. The best average finish for 10 races is a 4.3. Martin Truex did it during his championship season of 2017. The top three best driver rating performances for all 10 races is 125.8. Jimmy Johnson did that in 2013. Martin Truex had a had a uh, best driver rating of 120.8 in 2017, and Kevin Harvick had 120.3 in 2014. Perfect driver ratings has only been done five perfect driver ratings of 150 in performances in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Kevin Harvick at Phoenix in 2006 and 14, Clint Boyer at New Hampshire in 2007. Carl Edwards at Homestead, Miami in 2010, and Jimmy Johnson in Texas in 2013. So some pretty impressive stats there for the playoff series from 2004 to 2019.
1: All right, and we're going to look at what's now this year's playoff dozen with the NASCAR Cup Series playoff round of 16 coming to a close. Four drivers, uh, Ryan Blaney, Cole Custer, William Byron, and Matt DiBenedetto have been eliminated from the postseason, making way for the round of 12, and it's dozen competitors to battle it out for a spot in the round of 8. Once again, after three races in the round of 12, which will be Las Vegas, Talladega, and Kansas, four more drivers will be eliminated from the postseason. We'll look at this this season's round of 12, made up of five Ford drivers, four Chevrolet drivers, and three Toyota drivers, from six different organizations. And as they start this second round, they're seeding. Kevin Harvick goes back to the top with 62, or I'm sorry, 3,067 points, 62 points above the cutoff. Danny Hamlin is second, starts 43 above. Brad Keselowski up 30. Joe Legano at plus 17. Chase Elliott right there with him at plus 16. Martin Truex will start with 11 points ahead. Alex Bowman's at four-point gap. And then eighth and ninth, that's where the cutoff line will be. Austin Dillon and Eric Almorola start at 3,005 points. They are tied. Almar- or Austin Dillon having the uh, tiebreaker. And that'll put Kyle Busch at minus one. Uh, Clint Boyer also at minus one. And then Kurt Busch at minus four. We'll take a quick look at these uh, 12 playoff contenders and their career performances well, actually, at Las Vegas Speedway. Well, actually, I think Speedway. what I'm going
0: to do, Jay, 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 Jay,
1: up on <laughs> what
3: that? I'm okay. going to do,
0: yeah, is I'm going to refer everybody to the NASCAR Cup Series playoff stat package. Uh, uh, actually, I guess they can't go to this unless you're a NASCAR media member, uh, but I'm pretty sure that they have – uh, this information also posted at nascar.com if you want to see the driver's stats. Uh, if not, we will post this on uh before Sunday's race uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, I want to make sure we've got some time to go into our fantasy thing here. So um, let's go ahead and uh, let's see. What, what do you think's most important here? Well, I guess we go... Uh, more
1: up there at the, the top a, section.
0: All right. Let's cover that. The playoff round of 12 dropped the green flag under the lights at Las Vegas this weekend.
1: All right. We will be under the bright lights of Las Vegas as they will kick off the playoffs round of 12 in the South Point 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And that'll be this Sunday, September 27th. She mentioned 7 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, PRN, and Sirius XM Radio, NASCAR Radio. Now, 2020 marks the first year of the NASCAR Cup Series Playoffs Round of 12 that's opened at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which will be race number 30 of the season. Las Vegas is the sixth different track to host the fourth race of the playoffs from 2004 to 2019, the playoff era. Five different tracks have hosted the fourth race of the playoffs. Kansas Speedway did it in 2004, 5, 11, 13, and 14. Talladega Super Speedway did it in 06, 07, 08, and 2012. In 2009 and 10, it was Auto Club Speedway. Charlotte Motor Speedway, it was in 2015, 16, and 17. And in 18 and 19, it was Dover International Speedway. Now, prior to the 2020 season, Las Vegas Motor Speedway hosted the first race of the Cup Series playoff in 18 and 19. Keselowski won it in 18 and Martin Truex in 2019. A total of 12 different drivers have won the fourth race of the NASCAR Cup Series playoff races in that era from 2004 to 2019, led by Hendrick Motorsports driver Jimmy Johnson. Has three victories in 9 11 and 16 Six of the 12 former racers Of this fourth race of the playoffs are entered This weekend T- Talked about Jimmy Johnson with three Joey Logano has two Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Kevin Harvick and Matt Kenseth Each have one uh,
2: Okay let's, let's see. just Start
1: list this way. here
0: The current playoff The current playoff drivers uh, If we can
1: All right.
0: So, in other words, we sat with Jimmy
1: Johnson. All right. Since the inception of the playoffs in the Cup Series in 2004, three times the winner of the fourth race has gone on to win the title that same year. In 2009, it was Jimmy Johnson, the fourth race of the playoffs being at Auto Club Speedway, and he went on to win his fourth straight series title that same season. The victory was his second of four during the 2009 playoffs. In 2016... He did it at Charlotte Motor Speedway and went on to win his record-tying 7th Cup Series title that same year. The win then was Johnson's first of the three during the 2016 playoffs. In 17, it was Martin Truex Jr. who He won at Charlotte Motor Speedway and won his series title that same year. It was the first of three wins during the 2017 playoffs. Now, no, no non-playoff driver has ever won the playoff race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, but twice a non-playoff driver has won the fourth race in the Cup Series playoffs. Joe Nemechek won the fourth race of the playoffs at Kansas Speedway in 04. He was ranked 21st in the point, season, point standings at the time. Brian Vickers did it in the playoffs at Talladega Super Speedway in 06. He was currently ranked 16th in the points at the time. Now the worst finish uh, the worst finish of the four, on the fourth race of the playoffs by the eventual series champion Kansas Speedway uh, Tony Stewart finished 15th in 2011 Talladega Super Speedway Jimmy Johnson finished 24th in 06 at Auto Club it was 2010 and Jimmy Johnson finished 3rd at Charlotte Motor Speedway it was Kyle Busch in 15 when he finished 20th and then at Dover, it was again Kyle Bush, but he only finished six, and that was in twenty nineteen
0: okay, I think we'll skip this next session, otherwise we're not going to have time jay um, let's go ahead and do our fantasy points uh review because we have not been able to do we were not able to do that on Monday night.
1: All right uh there was some changes there. I'll tell you that. Uh, we'll start with the truck series. We had a tie going into It is no longer a tie, but still really tight. Andy has the points lead at 66. Sam is at 58. James at 54. Then it's a tie between Owen and Sharon at 52. I'm at 49. And Mike's at 41. And... I think we got three drivers picked for this weekend. Sharon has Ben Rhodes. I got Brett Moffitt. And Sam has Sheldon Creed. And I believe we're waiting on Owen to come in with that one. Yep.
0: Yeah, so, I haven't heard from him yet. See if
1: we, okay, we'll get an update there when we can. In the Xfinity series, <laughs> there's a little bit of change, but Andy's still uh, thumping us there. He's got 103. went over the 100-point 100 mark. 103 points. I'm second at 88 now. Sharon is third at 80, but Owen has closed up 77. Then you got Mike at 68, James at 64, and Sam at 55. And I meant to send this out in the group, but three races into the Cup Series playoff, and Andy actually took the point lead in the Cup Series. He has 142 points. I have 141 in second. Third is Sam, who's above 100. He's at 112. Owen is just short of 100 at 99. Then is James at 88, Sharon at 87, and Mike at 76. And actually, real quick, Xfinity-wise, I think we got three in. Sharon's got Chase Briscoe. Sam at has Austin Sindrick. Believe it or not, they were not the first two taken. Owen did take Harrison Burton to start that one off, so he's got faith in Harrison Burton. Uh, On the cup side, I think we got three in as well already. Yep. Uh, Owen started with Joey Logano. Sam has Brad Keselowski, and Sharon has Kevin Harvick. Now, the overall points. uh, Andy, again, mentioned at the top or near the top of every series at 311. I'm second at 278. Let me look real close at this because the rest of them are really close. Owen is third at 228. Sam is at 225, Sharon's at 219, and then James is at 206, with Mike at 185.
0: Okay, I'm so glad we were able to get that in. Uh, and. Uh, this has been a real endeavor this year with all the schedule changes and and everything that have happened within NASCAR in a very unique year of 2020. So, Jay, I want to make sure that we say thank you to you for all of the time and the effort that you put into getting the uh, pick order out to everybody and then tallying all of the points uh, for the fan For racing crew in our fan racing fantasy group so uh, we do appreciate everything that you do in that regard Jay
1: well thank you and I, I, I always tell you I do enjoy it however this year was a little bit different like I said I think I rewrote the uh, schedules three times so here with the playoff set <laughs> uh, got everything settled down it's been a little bit easier here through the uh, the last several races
0: yes indeed uh, we are coming up to the top of the hour And uh, at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern Time is when we start our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And, uh, Jay, we should have a couple of the guys joining us tonight with Andy Lasky and uh, Mike Orzel uh, coming on board here uh, very quickly. But uh, I know that we've got plenty to talk about. I'm going to have you kind of kick off the first hot topic, and we'll kind of get started right away. What's that first hot topic going to be?
1: Well, it came up in our in our group discussion, and it's one of those uh, little hearing little bits of rumors as far as the 2021 schedule. Nothing has been made official. They said that it's close, but they haven't released anything official yet. But now there's talk of possibly putting dirt on Bristol Motor Speedway and making that a dirt race. So uh, I know Mike, and I don't know if Mike was going to be able to come on tonight. I, I thought I heard him mention yeah, that he might right. not be able to join in that discussion.
0: I think you're right. I think I did see that earlier. Uh, But I think Andy is planning on making it. Uh, I know a lot of times he's coming in straight from work and getting right on uh, to the Hot topic segment. So I expect him momentarily here. Uh, But I guess I'll go ahead and get started. Um, Okay, so... uh, Okay, so let me uh, get started with that. I was just sending a little message out there just as a reminder. Uh, okay, uh, Dirk on Bristol, or did that? Did I hear Richmond as well as a possibility for that?
1: I think that was kind of Mike's addition. He would rather see it on Richmond than Bristol.
0: Okay, then uh, Andy is just now coming on board here. And Andy, the hot topic uh, that that Jay has put out on the table is the uh, dirt race at Bristol or perhaps even Richmond. Uh, but Bristol is the one that was recently announced. And I guess uh, yeah, Mike brought up uh, Richmond as well. What are your thoughts about that?
5: Well, hey guys, how you doing? That's um, uh, just a terrible idea all the way around. and And I think that the dirt racing <laughs> is cool, but... I mean, we have dirt racetracks that are specifically designed as such, such as Eldora Speedway in Knoxville, you know, so the first element of this is I don't think we need to transform one of the better short tracks on the schedule that is completely fine as it is as a half mile banked concrete oval. And, and turn it into a gimmick. And I say that because that's exactly what it that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be a, a an entertaining gimmick, but we don't need to mess up one of our best races of the year. So um I have no problem if they want to throw a dirt race on there, you know. Um and even to that degree, you know, I'm not sure that the cup cars really need to be on dirt. Like I really enjoyed the Truck Series race at Eldora. I think it has in the past than one of the better highlights of the season but you know do cup cars really even need to be running dirt I don't know you know I'm not really sure they do but certainly if they're going to run on dirt please do it at a real dirt racetrack we don't need to we don't need to mess Bristol off I just I don't really know what they're thinking on that if it's a if it's an issue with trying to maybe put a date somewhere and and maybe they feel like they need to do it in an existing racetrack so as to not lose the date at that particular facility. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I think that that would be a, I don't think that's going to be well-received by anybody, fans and and people within the sport. Um, Like I said, there's, you know, plenty of other places that they can go if they want to run dirt stuff, but Bristol shouldn't be the place to do it. So I, I hope that um, I hope NASCAR receives enough criticism about this that they rethink this because this is just a just a really bad idea in my opinion.
0: Yeah, when I heard that news, the first thing I did was go look at a picture of the Bristol track and I'm wondering, where's the dirt track at Bristol? <laughs> uh, I I I can't imagine how they're going to do that. And I couldn't agree more with you. It's a really bad idea. Uh when we've got so many dirt tracks around the country. Uh, the second thought that kind of went through my mind, though, is 40 cars on a dirt track could be really kind of overkill as well. I, I just, I, I'm just thinking that this is not that good of an idea. Uh, I, I really think that NASCAR should leave this this particular idea alone. Uh, if you're going to do it, do it at an existing dirt track. Please don't try to do it at at one of our other facilities that are currently asphalt or or paved, Um, I I really think they need to leave this one alone and uh, utilize uh, some of the other ideas that I've heard that seem like far better ideas than putting dirt on Bristol. Um, So I think you said it very well, Jay, so I'm going to find out what, uh, what does Jay think about this idea?
5: The other J. Well, what, <laughs> yeah, the other yes. J.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what, uh, what's going to be really weird here is you're going to kind of hear me argue both sides of it. And, and I know Mike kind of put certain words in my mouth. I don't think it is the best idea, um, but it can be done. The difficult thing, having been to the dome where they create a dirt track inside of a facility like that, and that is for super late models and, as well as modifieds and midgets, They wear that track out. I have seen it where it goes back down to the concrete. So when you're talking about cup cars on a track, whether it be Bristol or not, I'll get to that in a minute, you're going to have a lot of work to do, especially on a bigger track like that, in order to keep that dirt there as these cars are going to tear it up. And, and, you know, Andy Mm -hmm. talked about the truck series, the amount of work that goes into that to keeping that track good enough all night. They only run two races, or the truck series, they run heat races, as well as then a last chance or if they need, and then the future event. And they do a lot of work in between each one of those to push that dirt back around and keep that track in usable condition, and that's with the truck. So for the cup level, and like Sharon mentioned, the number of cars you're going to talk about putting on it uh, adds to that. I would like to see them on dirt. However, then that means it would have to go to a facility, like you said, of a dirt track. And when you talk about a couple that are equipped or big enough to even handle that, you're talking about Knoxville, Speedway in Iowa possibly, or Eldora. The problem is Charlotte, uh, Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, SMI, with uh, Marcus and Bruton Smith, don't own that. That means they're giving up a date, they're giving up their income, they're giving up their race date to put it somewhere else, and that's where it comes in. I could argue, though, against Andy's saying of it's a gimmick, well, the Rovals, whether it be at Charlotte Indianapolis Motor Speedway or Daytona International Speedway, was done the same way, and he was in favor of that. You created something on top of what was already there. So I I don't follow necessarily or back that argument i'm looking more at of how well it would actually work and even as a dirt fan and as much as i would like to see them on dirt i do think they need to possibly relook at how to go about it
0: okay so andy what's your follow-up well, specifically, you
5: know with, with the Roval, I just want to touch on that, you know, and, and maybe this maybe it's the same thing, maybe it isn't, but I, I almost view the two as, as different because yes, it is derived from a mile and a half facility, but it is a, it is actually a road course, you know, the way that they have the infield set up and you know combined with the oval track. I don't really view that as a gimmick. I view that as a road course. But the reason I call Bristol more of a gimmick is because you're you're altering the racing surface. You're altering the surface from what it's supposed to be, right? And then that's the difference between that and Charlotte is you're not altering the actual pavement. It's still the same racetrack. It's just that part of it's on the oval, part of it's on a road course. So. Um, but to take Bristol and completely just cover the racing surface with dirt, I just, I failed to see the logic in that. And, and like I said, we've all, we've all of us, you know, raved about dirt racing and how much we do enjoy it. And, and it is a great form of racing, but I just think that there's other places to do it, you know? And, and so, you know especially bristol i mean that's like one of our best short track races of the year so that to to take one of those dates away and, and turn it into a dirt race i just i don't know i just I, i'm not sure that's the greatest of ideas and, and to mike's points that we talked about you know yeah maybe you'd rather see it done at richmond which has for some reason turned into you know one of the quieter short track races of the year for some reason but um I don't know. Hopefully it's nothing more than rumor, but it it has seemed to gain traction this week for some reason to the point where, you know, plenty of people in the media have been talking about it. So I don't know. I mean, certainly can't control it. And if that turns out to be on the schedule next year, will I watch it? Yeah, I'll watch it. but like, oh, I'll be going into that with a lot of skepticism for sure.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. (laughs)
5: No, I'm done.
0: I'm good. Oh, okay. Yeah, all I can keep thinking about is the Last Great Coliseum becoming the the world's biggest dust bowl at Bristol Motor Speedway. Can you imagine <laughs> what that's gonna look like uh, running forty some cars uh, on dirt in the Last Great Coliseum? Uh, I just think it's a bad idea. I I I, I just don't see the logic in it. And uh, I, I
2: there's
0: a, you know, once you run dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway, I think it'll end up becoming more of a joke than anything else. So, Jay, your last comments.
1: Well, again, I, and Andy, I guess it's a pick on you night uh, since Mike's not here. No, um, the the deal with the Roval, it was still the same. You're right, it is the same but different. They, there is a road course there, but they had to adapt and modify it. But at that time, we all agreed, why couldn't they go to Road America? Why couldn't they go to Road Atlanta or Virginia, a true built road course? And that's because that's a race date for Charlotte and they want to keep it. That's the same thing that applies here. Yep. There are a couple right. of dirt tracks where they c- could try to make it work, but that's them giving it up. The second off thing I think you're looking at it there is you are a fan of Bristol Motor Speedway in the way it wants. Same reason Mike wants to put it at Richmond or There was a little bit of talk of of maybe a mile and a half, which would then equate to being big enough for a uh, 40-car field. But that's because you don't like those particular tracks or the the racing at those places. And that's where you got to take that out of it. If you're going to do it, the amount of dirt you're going to have to take in and, and again, get down and keep on the track, you've got to look at the shorter tracks. So that's why it's being looked at as far as Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, for one. You know Richmond is a little bit bigger, but not much and I don't know on the banking there might be a little bit more plausible as far as working it and keeping the dirt there. I know they have done Bristol Motor Speedway, <laughs> but again, it was for sprint cars, not your heavier cup cars. um not to say when it comes to the horsepower, the sprint cars are gonna aren't carrying it up and digging in as much as that, like I said, that's what happens at the dome, and that's only a one fifth mile track that you're talking about there, so I think NASCAR needs to look at it, not necessarily for the same reasons you're saying, because people are fans of Bristol motor speedway as it is, but from the aspect of what it really takes to keep the dirt there and have a good racing surface throughout the
0: program. Okay. We'll let that be the final word. And Andy, what's your hot topic for tonight? Yeah. Next one. Um,
5: Hendrick Motorsports was fined $100,000 for exceeding their wind tunnel allotment for the seasons.
0: Okay, Jay, let's kick this one off.
1: Well, I had to go in and do a little bit of research on this as at the point when Mike brought this up. I hadn't seen it. Uh, it's one of those things. I know there was a lot of talk about why they, why they got penalized. Uh, I believe it was $100,000 under an L2 penalty see if i can bring that up on jayski real quick but the one thing is is they made a mistake they went over and from what i read it was by a few minutes over their allotted time they self-identified and again you know it wasn't like it was a long period of time it was over by a couple of minutes or whatever so i think the hundred thousand dollar penalty if they feel the need to enforce it which uh, you know we could get into that but is a suitable punishment. Uh, you know, they self-identified. It was only by a couple minutes. They came forward and said, "Hey, we went over that time." So I think the penalty, and I, I believe with it was a matter of ten hours for next year that they also lost, or, or something. Uh, I don't know the exact number there. It is reasonable. Uh, like I said, they, they self-identified. It was obviously an honest mistake. They came forward with it and said, "Hey, we went over." So I think the a monetary fine, which was the the minimum monetary fine that that they could issue under an l2 and other than the 10 hours uh against next year's allotment there wasn't any additional so i I do believe that is a a reasonable um penalty with it at this point again they are the first ones that have, have had this happen that we know of again maybe some teams have done it and they can't uh uh didn't didn't get known but I think HMS stepped up, like I said, and self identified and, and are accepting their punishment because they're not going to appeal the penalty.
0: Okay, when you say a couple of minutes, Jay, are you talking about specifically two minutes over? Or, I, like, 10 minutes like I said, or a it, couple of minutes? from
1: what I read, it it just said minutes. So uh, who knows?
0: Oh, so it wasn't specifically stated. Okay. Um, you know, first of all, kudos to Hendrick Motorsports for for self uh, identifying and uh, bringing that to NASCAR's attention. Um, uh, it, I, I I understand that, you know, even though they know that they were in the wrong, uh, that the penalty probably does need to happen. I don't know if it's too severe or just right, not enough, but. Um, I guess they put NASCAR in a position where they had to do something. So uh, they went ahead and did that. Uh, the fact that they're going to get 10 hours taken off for those couple of minutes, whatever that couple of minutes is, um, is is kind of interesting to me that it's 10 hours uh, that they're taking off of their total. Uh, so... I, I'm not quite sure where to go with this, to be honest with you, because I didn't know that there was a um, a time and a penalty for, for wind tunnel t- testing. So uh, that was kind of news to me, if you will. So Andy, I'm not sure what to think about this. So I, I guess I'm curious to hear what you have to say.
5: It's hard for me to really give a a really good opinion on it because I don't know, what a few minutes extra in the wind tunnel actually means. I mean, I don't know if that's Mm a, it's hard for me to say if it's actually an advantage or not. I mean, I would, I think it's fair to say that any time in a wind tunnel is better than no time, but you know, did they really get an advantage out of it? I don't know. So um, to your points, yeah, they, they disclosed it. They're going to pay a fine, which for a race team like that, a hundred thousand dollars is really nothing. Um, So I don't think it's much of a penalty, really, especially when you're Rick Hendrick. <laughs> so um, the, I think mm. the bigger loss is probably the, the loss of 10 hours for next year. I mean, 10 hours is a long time, and I think that's probably the greater penalty of it all. But, you know, it's over and done with. You know, it's hard to say, um, it's hard to say if it makes a difference or not. But, um, yeah, it's over and done with. They'll you know, lose some time next year, and they move on.
0: I, I think what makes this hard, Jay, is we don't know 10, ten hours compared to what's the total hours that they're given. So you know we have nothing, no comparison factors here to kind of help us judge this, if you will. So Jay, what do uh,
5: What's I your? I think it's one fifty for the year. I'd have to. I can double check real quick, but I'm pretty sure they're given like a hundred and fifty hours a year, or something like that.
1: I'm. I'm, okay. a heady, I'm ahead. I'm ahead of you there, Andy. I'm ahead of you there, Andy. I got Bob Pachris' timeline pulled up here. And, yes, it is for the year for a max of 150 hours in 2021 for the Gen 6 car, a max 70 hours in 2020, 90 hours in 2021, but a max of 150 combined. And, again, I'm looking for specifically where it said. And, again, all I can remember from the reference is that they were a little over. And I thought it said minutes, so... Uh, Again, I don't even know if it was a full hour. Okay, here. My understanding, HMS self-reported after realizing it exceeded the max by minutes. Uh, That's from uh, Bob Pockris. So assuming, I guess you could put, it just says by minutes. So again, it could have been an hour and they they said by minutes because 60 minutes is an hour. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but with that, so you're talking about even if it was a full 60 minutes of an hour and they're losing 10, I mean, there's your trade-off, you know, it's not one for one. If you, you, you went a minute over, you're losing a minute next year. They, they, they are implying, Hey, we don't want you doing this. You know, if one hour is going to cost you 10 hours next year, obviously that's not a a good trade to look. So the the penalty is there as far as the trade-off of it's, it's. And it's going to cost them, I realize, for Hendrick Motorsports, like you said, $100,000 is not I think what comes into play there is, it. Uh, based on what what my understanding of that was, it wasn't by much, however it was, over, they self-identified. Again, I don't know if there's any way they could have tracked that or found that out any other way. Uh, I don't know how they monitor that, other than to hope that teams aren't doing it. Some of them, I'm sure... Uh, I know there's a limited number of wind tunnels, so there there can be a way of tracking it, I guess. But the fact that HMS did come forward and say, "Hey, we overshot," you know, we we know it, we realize it, we're bringing it to you, and they they are accepting what that penalty was.
0: Yeah, I I, I guess that that can be the biggest thing is crediting them for are being honest about it and and coming forward with the information and taking it on the chin you know taking the taking the penalty and and moving on with it um so nope, i, I don't is. know that there's a whole lot more that we can say can you see hear, hear me guys
2: yeah i got Jay? you loud
0: and clear oh okay <laughs> the other j <Jay. laughs> I
5: might have lost Jay Andy, actually. What are your I got final you. Thoughts? Um Okay, good Yeah, I mean I, I Might have lost Jay, I'm not sure, but um I, I think I'm here. that um Oh there he is. Okay. Um I don't really have much to follow up on this, truthfully. I, I think that it's just kinda over and done with. They'll they'll serve the, the loss of hours for next year and that's that. Um, you know, and, and who knows you know how big of a penalty that really is it's it's hard to say but i think that you know fans love to whenever things like this happen fans love to say oh they cheated and this and that and i don't think that's the case i don't think that it was uh done maliciously and uh yeah they'll move on from it no big deal
0: absolutely okay jay you're up next for the next topic
1: well, and again, I, I'm not real sure what you all covered on Monday. I know there were a couple that I would have loved to have been involved in the discussions, but uh, with everything else that went on, I'm not sure maybe that you touched upon the elimination, the four that were eliminated as well as the ones moving on, highlighted by Kyle Bush saying, that he expects or doesn't think they're they're ready to move on and he'll get eliminated going into this next round.
0: Yeah, I think we did cover that, Andy. You want to summarize your thoughts there?
5: Yeah, it's always worth talking about this, um, considering we are starting a new round this weekend. But you know, there were there were two surprises. You know, and the big one for me was Ryan Blaney. You know, I think a lot of people had considered him possibly as someone that could go all the way down to Phoenix. And so for him to struggle as much as he did and be eliminated in the round of 16 was a bit of a shocker. And I think on the other side of that coin, you know, Austin Dillon has been a pleasant surprise. His performances at both Darlington and Richmond were stellar. Um, And uh, I think that, um you know yeah they they weren't quite where they needed to be at bristol but they had already finished well enough in both of those previous races where it didn't matter so i mean to me um their performance if they can sustain that and, and keep running like that they're going to they're going to go a lot further than people give them credit for so uh to me those were the two biggest surprises as far as you know the other three eliminated um you know, I think I felt like Byron was probably going to go further than he did, but they just didn't quite have the round they needed. And um, you know, same with Matt DeBenedetto. I think from a, a, a feel-good story and being a fan favorite, you you had hoped that they were going to go further than they did. But I think him being eliminated wasn't a big surprise. And the same with Cole Custer. You know, who I believe exceeded expectations in in only his rookie season to win rookie of the year, make the playoffs and win a race. And, you know, and by win a race, he did so in dramatic fashion. So, um, with that great restart at Kentucky and I I don't think those are bad years for those guys. And I think just making the playoffs in general is, is a, is a good accomplishment in itself. So, yeah, like I said, I don't think we saw huge shockers from, from anyone except Blaney as far as those eliminated. And, uh, You know, I I think that uh, other than that, it it went pretty much, I think, the way you'd expect it to in that first round.
0: Yeah, I don't think Blaney ever recovered from the penalty uh, coming into the playoffs. Uh, I think that kind of uh, shook them off their feet, if you will, and uh, they never recovered from it. So uh, I don't think any of these guys have anything to hang their head on though, because all of them put for It's a valiant effort, and uh, uh, I think they all have a lot to look forward to in the years to come racing within the NASCAR Cup Series, so uh, I was disappointed. I know I would have liked to have seen William Byron and and, uh, uh, Matt DiBenedetto and Cole Custer move on along with Ryan Blaney, but... Uh, four of them had to be eliminated, and, and uh, they just happened to be the four that uh, were at the bottom of the pile when the first three races uh, took place in the playoffs, so unfortunately, they're not going to move on. Now the, the competition becomes who can be the highest finisher among those four uh, in the points, and how that all shuffles out with the races that are remaining this season. But honestly, I don't think any of them have anything to hang their head on. I think they all put forth really great efforts this season, and, and I think that's fantastic. Jay, what are your thoughts?
1: They kind of fall in line there. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I know there were several uh, even uh the top NASCAR analysts that that work with uh, FS1 and NASCAR America that maybe had Ryan Blaney possibly going all the way to the final four uh, when it comes down to Mm -hmm. Phoenix. So that one is kind of a shocker on that end from what we saw, we saw the climate improvement of Richard Childress racing more specifically on the side of Tyler Reddick, but to see Austin Dillon come out as strong as he did maybe was one that was a little bit on the surprise side. When, when you talk about the others, and, and hopefully Sharon and I are still friends after this, but Cole Custer had to win, <laughs> had some flashes of good runs, but he was, prior to this reseeding and taking that win to move him in, was 20th or 21st in point. So the win got him in, and, and that's a great, and he's the only rookie to have done it for the year. But that is one that I really didn't see that out of. That next pack there, the ones that got eliminated of Matt DiBenedetto, uh, William Byron, were there on that edge in that group. But you also have then Clint Boyer, Eric Almirola, line, and Alex Bowman. They're running consistently in 10th to 15th, but it's getting down to once you make the playoffs, especially going into this next round now, you got to be running top 10, you know and you can't afford to have the bad day unless you got a ton of playoff points built up. So that whole pack, it was kind of those of whoever did perform the the most consistent throughout those. And that's what we saw Austin Dillon do, and he's moving on and these others aren't. So there were several in that pack that it could have gone one way or the other on any of them Um, just so happened to play out the way it did. The four that were below the cut line went out, which theoretically that's the way it should be. Um, when you look at it from that perspective. So the second half of my question there is now Kyle Bush is one of the ones that's below the line on the outside this next round. Does he go out this next round?
0: <laughs> okay, Andy, your follow-up.
5: Well, he doesn't care about going to Vegas because he said he's going to get eliminated, right? So, <laughs>
0: um
5: I, I find it unlikely that he's going to be eliminated this next round. I think despite the fact that he's winless, he's still the defending champion. Uh, they've still run pretty good this year, and I would be thoroughly surprised if um, if they get eliminated. But I think a lot, you know, really depends on Vegas this weekend. I think that this is a, a critical race, and I know we've got a couple minutes here, so I'll be quick uh, before the 10.30 mark. But um, this race is critical because if you can come out of here with with stage points and a good finish, then you don't have to worry so much about Talladega and the Robo to finish out this round, which is crazy. So um, but no, I don't think I don't think Bush gets eliminated. Round of eight, different story, but round of twelve, no, I think he'll get through it.
0: Okay, we are coming up to the 10.30 mark here on our show, uh, and that means that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, For those that may be listening for the first time, we do go off the air, but we also continue recording the rest of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. What I do is when we get finished with that conversation, I'll go out on Twitter to let everyone know that the podcast is now available. And uh, if you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to that two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of the conversation. Now, unfortunately, we're not able to post the uh, uh, podcast player on our website right now, what I'm going to try to do is post at least the MP3 file so that people can still hear the podcast at Danceracing.com. But uh, uh, you can always go to Blog Talk Radio and listen to that podcast if uh, that doesn't work out for whatever reason. So again, we just like to let people know in case there's any first-time listeners. Our regulars, of course, know that that happens every uh, show that we put out, so uh I'm glad I was able to get that in. As far as my follow-up, um, I think we kind of analyzed uh, this pretty well on Monday night. We kind of talked about the pros and cons of Kyle Bush making that statement, uh, that it could either really be something that he did that's going to be motivational to his team, that's going to ask them to dig down just a little bit deeper so that uh, maybe he does make it through these playoffs, Or it could work the other way for Kyle Bush and be a demotivator now that he said that. And maybe they won't try it quite so hard uh, to help him move on to that next round. Uh, So which way do you think it's going to work for Kyle Bush, Jay?
1: Well, if you look back over the second couple of races, and again, when we're talking about we've done this with Jimmy Johnson and others, this hasn't been the Kyle Bush year, but That complaint came after a second place finish. You know, throughout Mm -hmm. the last, I'd say, five races, he has been running back up front, battling throughout the race in the lead or near the front. He came from the back to begin with. So obviously, he had the car and right now is running well. He's just not getting the win. So, I don't see him getting eliminated in this, unless, like you said, Sharon, this kind of backfires on him. And we don't know what his intent making the statement was, whether it was a motivator to his team or not, or how they react to it. But uh, I don't see him getting eliminated. I think right now he has probably been one of the top six as far as consistency and running up front. So I see him making it into the round of eight, maybe not all the way to Phoenix, but I think he makes the round of eight. I think, again, it was just the frustration of, and we all know for Kyle Bush, finishing second means he lost and he's upset. Uh, I think that just kind of came into play.
0: Andy, do you have any follow-up on that particular subject?
5: Uh, no, I'm good on that one.
0: Okay. Uh, so, Andy, let's uh, go on then with the next top topic.
5: Yeah, uh, looking at uh, the news from today, uh, Dr. Eric Warren, who previously uh, was the chief technology officer for Richard Childress Racing, is leaving that position. And he's now going to oversee General Motors' technical center, which is a 75,000 square foot facility in um, Concord, North Carolina, um, which is essentially going to be responsible for Chevrolet's research, development, engineering team support and, um, you know, and just really development of their NASCAR program and, you know, a, a pretty big addition, I think, to the overall NASCAR program for Chevrolet because, you know, Dr. Warren has a PhD in aerospace engineering and I think really helped um, RCR with its, um, with its performance over the years. He'd been at RCR for the last eight years so certainly some, some pretty big news if you're a Chevrolet fan, I think, in terms of the development of their NASCAR program, especially this new car coming out for years to come.
0: Okay, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Uh,
1: normally I would have to get on mic of, of looking at the negative side of things. Obviously it does bode well for, for Chevrolet and the sport as a whole Uh, On this one, I kind of look more towards the negative of how is that going to hurt Richard Childress racing? We've seen the improvement they've had through this year, again, with more specifically on Tyler Reddick's side. But Austin Dillon, the one that made the chase, we talked about how good he's been in these first three races and going into round two. So to me, it's especially at this time of maybe why not wait until the end of the season to announce that uh, and make that move of how that could affect their playoff run. Uh, Hopefully not. Again, I I like to see some change up front, so seeing Austin Dillon up there and mixing it up has been good. And I want to see Richard Childress Racing return to their prominence that we haven't seen even in Harvick's latter years uh, there with the team. So I I feel a little bad there for Richard Childress Racing.
0: Yeah, I kind of hear what you're saying, but it's because they've had such great success. Uh, that is the reason they're taking Aaron Warren over to that General Motors uh, Technical Center uh, so that the other Chevrolets can maybe have that same type of success. Uh, but I understand where you're coming from too, Jay, uh, because is, are they talking about doing this immediately or announce the creation? Let's see. I'm trying to see where they're saying he's going in, in the middle of a playoff run here. Um I'm not sure that this is going to happen quite that soon, uh, and I don't see anything in here that's saying that it's going to happen immediately, that he's going to move into that position. I'm thinking that this was going to happen,
2: uh, they
0: were going to finish out the season with RCR this year, and uh, that this would start with the new season in 2021, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh <laughs> I'm not sure when it starts at this point because I don't think it specifically says. So Andy, what are your thoughts?
5: Yeah. You know, I think with the gain that Chevrolet will see overall from this, I I do think it will have an impact on Richard Childress racing. Somebody with that, um, that type of uh, knowledge and experience, you know, I think really brings a lot to a program. And I think, um, you know, RCR's success that they have had over, the last you know eight years can probably be attributed a lot to him so it is a loss for that team but at the same time you know maybe the things that Chevrolet can learn from him that gets distributed to all of the Chevrolet teams will will still benefit them to some degree but you know with it being RCR's loss it is Chevrolet's gain and I think that overall the the NASCAR program for Chevrolet will, will benefit from this.
0: Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, it
5: may not be that he, he
1: necessarily leaves and walks out the door from Richard Childress Racing today, but with that of knowing that's where he's going and, and there realistically is no off-season or, or change over time, you know he's, if that announcement's been made, he's got to start be thinking about it and working on it, at least at a minimum, mm-hmm. splitting time and, and his efforts and thoughts. So uh, whether or not he does walk out the door, don't know. But that the fact that, again, he obviously has to be thinking about it. And I'm sure that at this point NASCAR is not saying, Hey, we're not doing anything yet to prepare for 2021. Cause we're talking about the next gen car coming in 2022. They're already focused on that. So it's got to pull some attention, you know, and, and I'm not judging him as a person, whether or not he can balance both. If that's the case, it just, it is natural that that becomes the case. So, I do agree with Andy. It certainly is a benefit for Chevrolet as a whole, uh, as well as NASCAR in the sport. And I am happy about that. Uh, Like I said, it just right now, especially being that they're on the uptick and climb of Richard Childress racing to see them lose that half step or step or more.
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying and and I agree with you. I think that they probably are going to, like you say, lose a little bit there of a competitive edge. Uh, but, again, I agree with Andy. I think that, overall, the advantage that it's going to bring to Chevrolet will still uh, help RCR as part of that Chevrolet camp. Uh, they just won't have the competitive advantage over everybody else uh, with him being their, uh, their guy. He'll be, uh, Eric Warren will now be the guy for Chevrolet and all the other Chevrolet cars. So uh, I, I think that's all I really need to say. Andy, any follow-up from your end?
2: Well, I just
5: want to make note that you both agreed with me on something, so I'm going to mark that one down, <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> I'll put uh, it in red. <laughs> no, no additional. Make sure it's highlighted, too. Uh, no, no additional follow-up from me.
0: Okay. So, Jay, what is your hot topic since I've highlighted Written in red and highlighted, Andy's uh, uh, that we agreed with Andy. What's uh,
1: what, who's the next domino to fall uh, again? And I, I'm trying not to go back to no topics you discussed about Monday night, and I wasn't be able to uh, be able to be a part of. But who's the next domino now to fall? Uh, we we know there's a couple that are are kind of heavily favored, but we still don't know about a couple. So who is that next one to go?
3: And
0: okay. where uh, we think Kyle Busch is going to move on, so who who are the dominoes to fall in this round?
1: I meant more as Driver's seats there, Sharon.
0: Oh, driver's seats. Okay, I, I misunderstood. Yeah, being well
1: because <laughs> okay. Monday night was Ross Chastain's announcement in the forty-two, which Phil answered a bunch of questions, as well as Bubba Wallace. Which that one again, we kind of had uh, maybe not all the details, but kind of planned out. We still got some big name drivers and some big name seats that are empty.
0: Okay, Andy. What's the next big announcement?
5: Yeah, it's a great question. Um you have to think it's probably that forty eight car, right? It at Hendrick Motorsports. Mm-hmm. Um still a still a really big mystery surrounding that and I, I know we talked about this Monday and um that's really the biggest, I think, question mark for me because I uh, I really don't have a clue who's going to go in that car. I mean, I know there's been some rumors, but that one, you know, you hear Larson, you hear Eric Jones, but I, I get this sneaky feeling that it's going to be someone we're not thinking about, you know, that, that could easily get into that race car. Um, but I have to think that that's probably the next domino that's, that's to fall. Um, you know, and I, I think there's still some intriguing elements to silly season because, you know, there's, you know, you got guys in, in, you know, lower divisions that are really making a name for themselves and chomping at the bit to, to get that opportunity. And um, as we've seen in, in, in times past, you know, if, if veterans of the Cup Series don't put the results up, they get replaced. And I think that we could still see some of that going into next year. Um but uh you know really the big the big one the big question mark has to be that 48 car i i think there's a big unknown surrounding who will get that car and uh you know it could be something we're not we're not thinking of you know
0: yeah i have to agree again andy uh we we'll have to double mark this one cuz uh, i'm going to agree with that's you
2: right. again
0: um that's <laughs> right Uh, I I do think that's the next big announcement that I I hope we hear from. Uh, And I think it's going to be big news. I think along with that is is Kyle Larson uh, coming back into the series. And, uh, you know, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen people think that, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Larson could be the guy that's going to go into that 48, but I've seen Uh, quite a few media members that are saying that they don't think it's going to be Kyle Larson uh, that's going to be in that number 48 so I I think it's interesting Uh, we're going to find out Eric Jones has got to land I hope Eric Jones lands in a good seat Uh, so I do see him as a a potential candidate for that seat Uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see Um, but yeah, I I also agree that it could be somebody that nobody's really got their finger on just yet, uh, because you never know. There could be another big announcement out there that hasn't been made yet, and that's why we don't know who's going to be in that number 48 yet. So I would not put it out of the realm of possibility uh, that there could be another big announcement that uh, we haven't heard yet uh, that's going to lead to who is going to be in that number 48 car? So uh, I think that's the big news that everybody is waiting on uh, in the Cup Series, uh, along with uh, the whole going to be when he comes back into the NASCAR Cup Series for hopefully next season. So uh, that's where my thoughts lie. What are your thoughts, Jay?
1: Well, you can't mark this one down in red and highlight it because we don't both agree with Andy. So,
3: um,
1: oh, <laughs>
2: as
1: as my question was of who is the next one or where the 48, I'm not even sure that might be. I think that I know it's a big one that becomes a factor, but I'm not sure that's the next one that gets announced. I think Richard Petty Motorsports might be able to make theirs. First, knowing they aren't in play for some of the drivers that Hendrick uh, has available or optioned for them. So I think Richard Petty Motorsports might be the next one to make an announcement and eliminate one of those dominoes. Second off, uh, I really, I don't see it as the 48 being one out of the realm of what we've discussed. Right now, it very heavily seems that Kyle Larson is the name linked there. But I haven't completely lost faith in what we talked about as far as it possibly being Matt DiBenedetto. Um, still being in the playoffs, and they don't want to announce that yet. He did, though, put out the tweet Penske has until the end of the month here in September to, to pick up his option, which I didn't know that was even a possibility. And from I haven't seen anything on that yet. But we also kind of felt like none of the rookies or uh, Xfinity drivers were going to move up with one year prior to the next gen car coming out. So I'm a little confused on that one, but I right now I'm still holding to that. I think Kyle Larson is going to be, whether I think it's a good fit or how it came about. I don't know. I'm definitely going to be interesting. If Kyle, Kyle Larson goes into that seat, I, I know majority of the dirt track world is all in favor of it. Cause he has been absolutely tearing everything up wherever he goes. So the dirt track world is hoping he returns to NASCAR.
0: (laughs) Okay. Andy, your follow-up. Kind of want to add a new element
5: to this too. And, you know, we've seen significant results this year from Cindric and Briscoe in the Xfinity series. And I guess my question to the both of you is, did those two get promoted to the cup series or do they spend another season in Xfinity? There's been a lot of talk about those guys here in recent weeks.
0: Yeah, but keep in mind, Andy, there are three new teams coming in to NAS- uh, NASCAR next year. We've got the track house racing with Justin Marks. Uh, he's looking to form a team as early as 2021, although we have very few details of that just yet. There's also the money racing team uh, with, um, oh, I forget the fighter now.
2: Flo- uh, Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather.
0: Floyd Maidweather, yes uh, So that's another new team That's coming into NASCAR Cup Series Next year As well as the Denny Hamlin Michael Jordan team uh, With Jermaine Racing uh, Being taken over by that group So I think that There's plenty of room For those guys to still race Within the uh, NASCAR Cup Series And not necessarily have, You know necessarily going into the Xfinity, although I would like to see some of those guys come into the Xfinity teams. So I think those teams uh, could be coming out with some announcements, possibly before we know who's going to be in the 48 as well. So uh, just some additional thoughts there. Jay, your final comments?
1: Yeah, that that's true. Those might be a couple of teams, but they might be the first ones to make an announcement but when we're referring to the Xfinity guys uh, that are moving up, especially the top two, Chase, Briscoe, Austin, Cindric we already kind of know where they're headed uh, eventually, uh, Stuart Haas Racing and uh, Team Penske. And there, there just doesn't seem to be the rumor that they are opting to wait. It appears anyway, they're going to wait until the 2022 season. Uh, I think if they were going to move up, that announcement would have been made. It's, but then again, maybe not. They're in the middle of a championship uh, battle. I know with Ross Chastain's, that one came together kind of short and got announced. You know, there came that question of does this take away your focus on the championship? So it's possible that those two might end up making announcement following the championship battle, um, so that it doesn't become a distraction via the media side. But I, uh, right now, I, I really kind of get the feeling that maybe we won't see a big rookie crop, or if there are ones that move up, they might not be in top level equipment, which makes a huge difference. I know we've talked about that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. John Hunter Nemechek this year uh, battling for, and he did battle for it. He he was one of the, the top rookie in, in several races, so it was good to see. But you can't compete against any driver moving into. A Stuart Haas or uh, Joe Gibbs partnered Toyota against those guys. So we'll have to wait and see and several of those teams you mentioned. I know Mayweather say, okay, has money to throw around. And I think they would have to throw some serious money at a driver to get them to come to a brand new team. Um, you know, Bubba Wallace has opted to go with the, the Jordan Hamlin one. Obviously, having none, but I think they have faith and confidence in it being a very secure Joe Gibbs-aligned team. That's got to give him some confidence, whereas if you're talking about a team like Spire Motorsports is still looking for two drivers as they expanded to two teams. A top driver mm-hmm. is not going to sign with them. It's just not going to happen. You know, Chase, Briscoe, Ross, and Sendrick isn't going to take that ride.
0: Okay. Uh let's go ahead and move on to the next topic then, Andy.
5: You know, I, I really don't have anything else. Um, you know, I think all the big stuff got covered Monday night for sure. So uh, what do you think, Jay? You got anything else?
1: Yeah, no, I didn't have any other uh, another new ones necessarily.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So I guess we'll call that a night nice then for uh, the NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and we'll go ahead and do our, uh, our roundtable here. So, Jay, we'll start with you.
1: All right. You can follow me on Michael Hoosman, Mopar mj 8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, as far as announcing, it looks like I'll be taking the weekend off, and I don't even know about getting any racing in to watch. I know we had one here already cancel on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, as I mentioned earlier, I hope Memphis uh, lightens up. I know the asphalt track is a little bit different as far as getting it prepared. So I'm hoping Memphis gets in uh, their race there for the Arca Menards and Arca East Series. Uh, other than that, I think, uh, I think I'm going to be sitting inside with the weather the way it is. Okay, You're
5: definitely raceway. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, SHR1498 fan on uh, Twitter, and this weekend I will be watching all the Vegas racing. So I should be partaking in the chats for those. And um, it's going to be pretty hot out there, so better them than us, I guess. But it should be a good weekend, and and looking forward to, to seeing how those races all go down.
0: Okay. Well, Jay, I hope you're able to participate in the chats, and I also hope you stay safe. I know you're kind of in the path of this hurricane that's been swirling around there in the Gulf Coast. And, uh, you know, we really uh, hope uh, everybody stays safe in your neck of the woods down there. Um, uh, I w- am traveling, so I will not be able to be on the uh, chats this weekend. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure, I probably have to end up watching the races uh, at some point in the future. <laughs> Uh, because I don't know how much racing I'll be able to get in I've got a, kind of a busy weekend uh, planned here So I hope everybody enjoys it I'm sad that I'm going to miss all of this racing Because I think it's all going to be good Including the ARCA races uh, that will be taking place at the Bull Ring As well as at Memphis International Raceway So uh, I hope the weather holds out for everybody And we can get all these races in uh, I am fan for racing site on Twitter fan for racing blog and Radio Everywhere else including fan We did have a, a few Issues this week on the website I hope that doesn't discourage people uh, From coming to the website uh, We've addressed everything And the reason you are not Being able to get onto the website Is uh, to protect Your safety so I will put that Out there uh, We did have some Uh, malicious uh, some malware that had to be removed Uh, it is a protected site and the site did what it's supposed to do and that is it shut down so uh, I'm glad that that happened it did protect everybody and uh, we were able to address the issue I had a little bit of a publishing issue today because there is a new firewall on the site and um, that firewall does not allow me to put the player up on the site anymore. So uh, we're going to look at some alternatives for that and, and try to do the best we can there. Uh, I do want to, uh, of course, shout out to all of our listeners and people who come to our website as well. Uh, a big thank you to all of you for uh, taking the time to hear what it is that we have to say. We appreciate all of you. We do have an article out on com to uh, today from Mike Orzel, and it is about Kyle, Kyle Bush and whether or not you think he might be eliminated, or will he uh, kind of uh, go against what his thoughts are coming out of Bristol and make it on to the round of eight. So uh, feel free to post your comments there uh, and uh, let us know what you think about that. And then also I know I've got some more articles that are supposed to be coming in, including my own, about Martin Truex Jr. I hope to get that up sometime soon. And uh, uh, we're kind of focusing in on the playoff drivers, so hopefully we'll have more on that coming out. Um, We had uh, Sam's – Recap from last week at Bristol and uh, I think he's still planning to send me an article uh, based on the elimination round uh, in the Cup Series. I haven't seen that yet, but I'll keep my eye out for that and try to get that posted as quickly as possible. Uh, We'll have Owens Cash or Pass this week and... uh, uh we'll just go from there then, I guess, and see what happens uh, moving forward. Uh, but, again, uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. And uh, I guess we'll call that a wrap, guys.
5: All right. Have a great night.
1: Enjoy the weekend, er, racing weekend.
0: Okay. Good night, everybody.